0: Well, I do want to say good morning, because it's been a while for me. <laughs> so good morning to you all. You know, the other day, <clears throat> I had a conversation with my sister, and we were just talking about what conversation was like growing up, you know, around the table. And uh, her first thing that came to mind, she said, literature. I said, literature? And she said, don't you recall... You know, Dad referencing all these books and quoting from even from Shakespeare among other authors, and I said, maybe it went over my head, <laughs> but I do recall since my dad was a teacher, um, he he would give these lo- history lessons. Uh, I mean, we're talking like local history, we're talking about state history, American history, world history, cultural history, anything historical. Of course, my favorite was. Sports history <laughs> but he if there was a fact to share, a perspective to give um, he would pull he would pull he would pull a story, give a historical perspective, and it would always come off the top of his head. I don't know what it's like to, in your homes as far as what conversation's like around the dinner table, and maybe we discuss them among a lot of different things, and even of course most recently, uh, just the anniversary of course of 9/ eleven of American history. Maybe we do ask each other about how is our day going and um, maybe we do ask what's what's been going on in, in terms of schools or endeavors. But it's interesting in terms of what is discussed uh, around the around the dinner table. Today I want to give you point to you a conversation around the dinner table a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples that I think as a church we need to pay very much attention to. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. And as you turn there, my hope is that in some sense the table will be set as we will later partake in communion. And I do want to just kind of brief with you that uh, in the context, the first Lord's Supper was taking place over the Passover meal. And of course, we understand through our previous preaching series by Pastor Tran that the Passover was the annual celebration of God's deliverance uh, of his, his people from slavery in Egypt. Later on, it was chronicled. In Exodus chapter 19, this incredible act of redemption initiated God's covenant with Israel through Moses. Now, when we come to the Lord's Supper, it's it redefines the Passover meals as a celebration of God's second and the greatest, the greatest act of redemption through the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. As we know that um, through Romans, Christ's death atoned from the sins of of the God's people up to the time of his coming and the sins of those who would trust in him for salvation since his coming. And so let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at the passage of Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. The word of the Lord reads, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing, he broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, Take it, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for the for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. And may the Lord add his blessing the reading, the preaching of his word. Now, as you know, this is commonly referred to as the Lord's Supper. It's also referred to as the Last Supper because it's right before Jesus' crucifixion. Some other things we have to consider as we read this passage is that the gospel accounts all give chronicles about it, all gives an account. Matthew, uh, Mark, um, and Luke. And if you're wondering about John, he, he does, ref, you may recall, they had, even the disciples had a little dispute at the dinner table in terms of who is, who is the greatest. And then, of course, we come to our passage here in the Gospel of Matthew. But all three of these accounts detail in terms of, describes what Jesus does for his disciples. He gives thanks, or he gives the, the, gives the blessing And he gives the bread and the cup, and he tells them in terms of the significance of each. The bread represents his body; the cup is his blood, new covenant. And what Luke mentions in terms of as, as as the point is, do this in remembrance of me. So he wanted the disciples to not only do it right then and there. But this would be an ongoing pattern. Early church confirms this pattern for believers to continue. And you can make the strongest case, of course, through Scripture, not only considering the book of Acts, but even most notably in the letters to Corinth, First Corinthians, which Paul wrote, he says, I received from the Lord which I also delivered you, That Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. So, even years later, Paul is confirming what Jesus had established, or had instituted. He is confirming directly that it it came came from the Lord. And made it known for not just for all believers to do, but for the church to do. And so if you ever had that question, why do we do what we do, particularly when it comes to communion, it's because of Christ. It it is centered around Christ. It is initiated by Christ. It is commanded by Christ. And so these are perspectives that we need to take, especially later on as we will Partake in communion. So going into this passage, I just want to highlight four things in consideration to set us up, to to prepare us for for communion. Four things. And I want to give just simple words that maybe help us to not to remember, and most notably to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It reminds us of the gift, the God-given gift. God's gift to us. It is the gift. By the way, when you notice how much is given, or how much the word or the action of given is in this passage. Jesus, of course, gave the blessings or give give given thanks to, to the Lord. He he gives the bread. Uh, Moreover, Jesus is telling the disciples ahead of time that he would give himself or that he would sacrifice himself. Of course, he mentioned in terms of that he would pour out his blood for many. In other words, he would give his blood um, for many. We have to remember that Jesus is the bread of life, and he offered, as the Gospel of John mentioned, and he gave. He sacrificed on our behalf. And in this offering for us to remember in terms of Christ's sacrifice, in some sense it's a gift. Because it's not based upon what we have done. It's not based upon what we have earned or achieved on our own. Too often we we get caught up in terms of, in the Christian life, what, what we have to do or how good we do things. But we forget about the gift of what has been done for us. And it all starts there. What Christ has done for us, what he has finished and son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Without God giving his son for our salvation, we are hopelessly and eternally lost. And so when we participate in the, in the Lord's Supper, it reminds us of God's gift to us in Christ. It reminds us of Jesus, the center of it. It reminds us in terms of our salvation, the eternal life, and all the promises of heaven that are given to us through Christ. As we look in the passage, Jesus personally distributed or hands delivered the bread to his disciples. And in doing so, he figuratively displaying the gift of life that was imparted through himself. Again, we are reminded that, there's no righteous acts, no good works, no rituals that we could ever do what the Redeemer did for us on the cross, and that is through his body that he took upon the deserved wrath. And so as we partake in the Lord's Supper, it makes sure that we never neglect this truth, and that is the gift of Christ's sacrifice for us. Not only do we need to remember the gift, but we also need to remember the gravity. The gravity of our sins. Uh, The gravity of our sins. You know, when when we were in our sins, our lives were bleak. There was no life. Our lives was in the dark. There was no light. Our life was condemned. There was no forgiveness. Our life was void. There was no love. But by the grace of God, by the act of God, through the Spirit of God, through Christ's shed blood, we are now able to have life, to have light, and to have love from above. And so when we think about participation in the Lord's Supper, it reminds us of the serious nature of sin, the seriousness of our sin. Before a holy God, sin had to be dealt with. It had to be addressed. And so Jesus would take the cup. And he took the cup and told his disciples that it contained the fruit of the vine. And he told them that this drink was, this, it was symbolic of his blood. And he stated that his blood was poured out for many. Poured out, that is, sent forth to, to cleanse us from all of our transgressions and our wickedness. It's interesting, the Greek word for poured out means to, it gives the idea or the impression of gush. And, and the blood of Jesus was necessary because it was given so freely, so fully, and it was costly. It's a blood that was shed. Now, for some of us, when it comes to blood, we get a little queasy. And when it comes to other people's blood, we may even get more queasy. And even when we think about Christ's blood that was shed... Maybe it's not just queasy. We, get, we think of even how horrific it was. But we also have to come to grips in terms of how horrific sin is in our lives and how it affects us in terms of the gospel. You know, the gospel becomes glorious when the depth and the power of our sin is understood as grievous. When we see a clearer glimpse of our sin or clearer picture of our sin, we behold a clear glimpse or picture of the cross. The horror of sin really magnifies the, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of Christ's sacrifice. And by the grace of God, we are now looking back, and now we appreciate, and now we see Christ's blood as precious that was poured out for us. We understand through the book of Hebrews in chapter 9 that says, without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. And so we understand together that the life of Jesus was necessary to pay the price for our iniquities. And that involves pouring out his blood on the cross to make salvation possible for us. You know, it's not just today or at this communion time, but every day that we should remember the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to remember the price that was paid for our sins. And by doing so, we could revisit in our souls the event of Jesus' death and calling to, calling to mind, calling to, to, to remember that point in our, in our journey of life that the blood of Christ was applied to us And by the grace, we are saved. We are to remember by drawing near to Christ and renewing ourselves in His presence. Perhaps as we draw near, and some say communion might be the most intimate time that we share with God, in partaking of the bread and the cross, we may see sin differently. And it may give us a different perspective even going forward. Instead of loving our sin, we may begin to loathe our sin. And instead of desiring more sin, we may seek to dismantle sin in our lives. And instead of feeding on sin, we may seek to flatten sin, or rid of sin, or kill sin. You know, sometimes we wonder, maybe in terms of why the the gospel loses its luster. It is not so much the gospel loses its luster, is that sometimes we lose sight in the depth of our sin, which contributes to the loss of wonder of the cross. Maybe we just have to pause just briefly and, and ask the question, how do we see our sin? How do we see our sin before God? Sometimes we just see our sin as simply an inconvenience. Sometimes we see our sins just, we see it flippantly. But does it register at all? In terms of the grief that sin brings, not just the sin that the grief that sin brings in your life and the surrounding family and friends and circles that you're in, but how sin brings grief or offense to a holy and loving God. Maybe we need to pause to understand the gravity of our own sin. You know, when we take communion, besides understanding that it's certainly a gift, we understand in terms of the gravity of our sins, but we are also reminded in terms of the grace. The grace. The grace of God. That's our third point, the grace of God. In this passage... It's easy to just look past, but I will note that his blood was shed for the sins for many. Now oftentimes we just read past that. But interesting, Jesus didn't say his blood was shed for the sins of all. Now we know that God created all. We know that um, God loves all. And he desires all to be saved and invites all to be with him in in, in heaven. So sometimes we have to ask that question, why? Why then did he not say his blood was the sins for all? He did not say that because not all will believe. Not all will come to faith in him. Sadly, people will not believe him. We read in scriptural accounts, even the Gospel of John, chapter 6, where the mass did not believe, but literally walked out on him. Some would perish in their sins even though the fountain of forgiveness is deep and plentiful. Friends, the fountain is full, but many will bypass it and not drink from it. The bread of life has been offered, but some will not taste it. It's the sobering, sad reality that maybe even some here today will perish because we are not willing to come by faith to Christ to find forgiveness. Maybe the words of Christ needs to seep in more when he said, I am the way and the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The law demanded our death but because of our sin-stained lives. But Christ, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf and made a way that we would escape the punishment of the law. And thus His blood has been provided for many. Maybe we ask the question, who are the many? We don't have to look far, just remember in Scripture... Remember, there was adulterous woman who was caught in her sin and was brought to Jesus to be stoned to death. What did Jesus say to her? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In a sense, in other words, her sins were forgiven and she was saved. To even be more clear, what about the paralytic who was brought before Jesus? Jesus specifically said, friends. You are, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Maybe we long to hear those words, not from another person, but from God. Come to Jesus and hear those same truths. Friends, your sins are forgiven. Would you be one of many who trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin? and eternal life, and it could happen now. We understand it's all by God's grace. Scripture is very clear that says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of a result of works that no man should boast. For those who have faith, we are reminded each time we partake in the Lord's Supper of the grace that is given to us. So very simple, as we prepare the table, or as the table is prepared for us, we know it's by the grace of God. We know it's a gift of God. We understand the gravity of our sins. But fourthly, we also understand and appreciate the goodness of God. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the goodness of God. I think it was mentioned in previous sermons, messages in reference back to how God describes himself, and he would, he would describe himself as good. God on God would say that he is good. And here in this passage, it mentions in terms of his goodness. He is so good to us, and even evidence in his promise, as we look at verse 29. And in verse 29, he says, I will tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine, Until the day in which I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And so, in this passage, is that promise? Is is the promise that there is going to be a a celebration and we will drink it anew with, with Christ? So, as we drink the cup today, oftentimes we do look back, and rightly so. We do need to look back at the cross. We do need to look back at the cross in terms of how Christ sacrificed his life, how his blood was poured out for many. But we also look forward to the future. We look forward to celebrating Christ's reign. We look forward to fellowshipping even more intimately than we are right now. Paul stated in Corinthians, as many as the promises of God in him, they are yes, yes, And this is the wonderful, dear promises from our Savior. So today, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, understand it is a gift. The gift of Christ's sacrifice that made it possible for us to enjoy this moment with God. Understand in terms of the gravity of our sin, don't take it for granted. Understand in terms of the grace of God, and understand in terms of his goodness to us. And so, if we're in preparation for that, I give you these words from the word of the Lord to partake in communion. The table set for us it has been set by none other than Jesus himself, who initiated with his disciples for this pattern to continue even unto today. Jesus has not only set the table, but he is the centerpiece. He is the focal point of why we do what we do, why we draw near, why we remember his sacrifice and his blood. From the conversation around the table, we realize the gift of God, by the act of God, through the Spirit of God, the crucifixion, the grace and the goodness as willing to come to grips with the gravity of our own sin. And so let us begin to prepare ourselves. Let us pray. Lord God, Father, we thank you that as we partake in setting our hearts to draw near to you in into this communion time, we thank you, Father, for the gift of Christ. Father, we thank you, Father, for his sacrifice for us. That we would be able to enjoy a relationship with you. That we could draw near even during this time. As we focus on his sacrifice. As we focus in terms of the blood that was shed for us. Father, each time we partake in communion, we are reminded of how sin grieves. How sin grieves you, a holy God. We're reminded in terms of our own sin, sinful nature. We know that we are forgiven. We know that uh, you have died for, your son has died for our our sins. And so we don't want to take sin in our lives lightly. And so Father, help us, even the time that we spend with you, that will renew us even to fight sin out of our lives even more so by your power and by your spirit. Father, when we taste and partake of the elements, help us to realize in terms of the grace and the goodness that you've given to us. And that is why the drink is sweet and even the drink later on as we would celebrate with you in the future would be even sweeter. Father, we praise you We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.